we continue with the foundational question, what do we know about the nature of moral character from Bible considerations? And approach our third heading, where we consider the nature of moral action and moral character. Having the equipment of personality so that thoughts can be created and comprehended, and the emotional quality so that thoughts and experiences can be appreciated, and the ability of will so that decisions can be made and executed, and then having moral light or an atmosphere of truth to guide in all activity, we are prepared to consider the avenues of moral action, what it is like, and what it does. Firstly, a moral action is a state of the will, a disposition, a dynamic something as distinguished from static state or condition. It must be a voluntary choice of the person involved as distinguished from a constitutional trait or natural attribute. A natural attribute is something we cannot help. It is an essential part of our being or is involuntary. But moral character is a term that is descriptive of what we do with our endowments of personality and the moral light which we possess. It cannot refer to something back of the will, but is the choice of the will itself. It is most important that this distinction be clearly understood, because if moral character is something fixed or something that controls the will in one direction or another, then virtue or blame disappears. The law of cause and effect takes over, and moral action ceases to exist. The Bible very frequently speaks of the will and purpose of God as the motivating cause of God's activity, and calls upon man to align himself with God's most reasonable demands. The psalmist felt relaxed in the great will and character of God as he wrote in the 143rd Psalm and verse 10, Teach me to do thy will, for thou art my God. Thy spirit is good. Lead me into the land of uprightness. So the will of God, the purpose of God, is referred to. Isaiah represented God as having a fixity of purpose and determination. In his 14th chapter, verse 24, we read, The Lord of hosts hath sworn, saying, Surely as I have thought, so shall it come to pass. And as I have purposed, so shall it stand. And in verse 26, This is the purpose that is purposed upon the whole earth, and this is the hand that is stretched out upon all the nations. For the Lord of hosts hath purposed, and who shall disannul it? And his hand is stretched out, and who shall turn it back? So there is a fixity of purpose with God, and this purpose is God's moral character. In the 46th chapter of Isaiah, verses 8 to 11, we read, Remember this, and show yourselves men, Bring it again to mind, O ye transgressors. Remember the former things of old, for I am God, and there is none else. 
I am God and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times the things that are not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand, and I will do all my pleasure, calling a ravenous bird from the east, the man that executed my counsel from a far country. Yea, I have spoken it. I will also bring it to pass. I have purposed it. I will also do it. So God forms purposes of will, and these purposes are definite and positive. Our Lord Jesus, in the seventh chapter of Matthew and verse 21, set forth the Father as of a determined character to which all must conform if they are to enjoy life here and hereafter. Not every one that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. So God has a purposeful will, a wise, loving, and holy will, as we shall abundantly see. In the seventh chapter of John's Gospel, verse 17, our Lord indicated that man was free to will in conformity to God's will or not to so will, and by implication that God's character is a matter of his will also. If any man will to do his will, he shall know of the doctrine, whether it be of God or whether I speak of myself. The Apostle Paul in Romans 12 and verse 2 spoke of the reasonable and perfect will of God, which men may prove if they so choose. God's character is absolutely reasonable in the intelligent conformity to truth, and we are likewise to choose intelligently, and that this abiding choice will constitute our moral character. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your minds, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So the purposes and the will of God are good, acceptable, and perfect. In 1 John 2.17, the apostle wrote, He that doeth the will of God abideth forever. And so we see that moral action is a state of the will, a disposition, a purpose. In the second place, it is important to note that the decisions of will are positive and definite and in no sense can be partial in that we can partly decide and partly not decide on a course of events at the same time. By virtue of its freedom, the will may choose a given course at one instant and choose another course at a succeeding instant, but to do both at once is plainly impossible. In the human realm, our Lord taught this plainly, and the same certainty must prevail in the realm of the great God. In the sixth chapter of Matthew, verses 22 to 24, our Lord contrasted light and darkness, which he said could not coexist in the same human heart at the same time, 
He also brought in the concept of two masters, which could not be equally supreme at the same time. The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness? No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. So positively did the Lord Jesus speak. Impossible therefore it is that we should have a mixed character or that the will of man can choose partly one way and partly another way at the same time. The body, therefore, is either a state of moral light or a state of moral darkness. We either have one master or another, but certainly cannot divide the situation. The Apostle Paul also proclaimed this same tremendous fact in the sixth chapter of the Epistle to the Romans and verses 16 to 18. Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness? But God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you, and then being made free from sin, ye became servants of righteousness. So here we have it positively affirmed that salvation was an entire breaking away from one realm of services with its dire consequences to enter another realm with its endless blessing. And so it was impossible to obey two masters according to the Apostle Paul and according to our realm of obedience was our realm of service or purpose of heart. It was either of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. How wonderful that salvation is a transference of masters so that God is willing to have us when we are willing to owe our allegiance to God with a happy heart. Thus certainty and definiteness prevails in all moral beings. Decisions are made or not made. This is the very meaning of free will and self-determination. The character of God is always morally consistent because of an abiding state of choice. God calls upon us to a similar definiteness of character and everywhere assumes this possible. He that doeth the will of God abideth forever, John wrote. No tampering with this statement can cancel its simplicity. Certainly no intimations can be made to cast any doubt upon its certainty. And thus we have the fact that there is an unmixed character to moral actions, whichever way they are pointed, that is the fullness thereof. If they are in allegiance to God, then happy is that state of heart. If they are in allegiance to selfishness, then all is dark within, according to our Lord's statement. 
And as we have affirmed that God is light in his great intelligence, how wonderful to think that the character of God is determined by his endless purposeful existence to live the great life of benevolence and love by which he is righteous toward all beings, manifests his great love and kindness and his profound mercy and measures to reach the hearts of men and win them. May we pray. Our Heavenly Father, again, it has been our privilege to read thy word and to consider thy thoughts. And again we take refuge in thy great and marvelous being, that thou art a God of purpose and a God of will, and that thou art a God of intelligence and moral light. So everything thou dost do is above blame. And so we're thankful that thou dost bid us, poor sinners, to come to thee in repentance. Look to our Savior as he died so tenderly for us by faith as inspired by the Holy Spirit. Be forgiven and transformed in our hearts and join thee in a great and happy purposeful existence both now and forever. May many resolve to do so today. In Jesus' precious name, amen.